Leonard Lee here, host of Say Yes and Become, and I am excited to tell you about Papa's Roast Coffee, our sponsor in 2024. Papa's Roast Coffee is a single origin coffee roasted on the northern coast of Oregon, and it is done by our friends Dean and Debbie Christ. I want to tell you a little bit about it because for those of you who are on the go and you want just a single K-cup, you can get K-cups from Dean and Debbie's Papa's Roast. If you want a classic or if you want dark roast, if you want to put gift boxes together, they have all of that. So go to www.papasroast.com and order some today. Hey, let's get to the conversation now. Hey, welcome to Say Yes and Become. My name is Justin Orr and I am your host. I know I'm not the normal host, but I get to fill in. For my man Leonard, who um, is I is my interviewee. He's he is our guest on this episode. But say yes is built on the premise of saying yes to a friendship and yes to a partnership, which really is us living out the two greatest commandments that God gave us: love your love God and love others. I almost said love yourself, and that is totally not what it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's true, but not yeah. love yourself and then love God. It's love God and love others, and so. Uh, Leonard, welcome back to the show. We are so glad you can have it and, and make it, and glad to get to be here with me. Um, I, yeah, I know you're an aspiring rock star. We got to hear your stories about last week. If you missed that episode, you get to hear about his um, really amazing opportunity to get scholarships uh, into Bible college by his singing. I'm gonna give me I, a scholarship. I had no idea going into this. <laughs> um, I gotta ask, have you got any more fun stories that people don't know about you? Well, you know, I probably do some that they will never know, but uh, <laughs> I have probably um, for the best, <laughs> probably for the best. Some they don't want to know. Um, and some are just not that fun. Uh, I want you to know that I um I once met Mr. T and James Franco, you know, the, the, the actor who had to cut his arm off because he was stuck in the mountains. Uh, what's time. that movie? Well, no, they were different times. Okay. Okay. Um, Cause it's, I, I mean, that's an interesting, like I, I met Mr. T and James Franco at the same time. Would be that is like an odd celebrity cocktail, that isn't it? It really is. Yeah. <laughs> James Mr. Fran- I want to say the movie is 127 hours or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's been in a lot of different stuff. He, uh, um, but I met Mr. T back in the when the Earth was cooling, and I was in uh, Bible college. Uh, they were filming episodes of the A Team. <clears throat> oh, right? so you got to meet him when he was cool. Yeah, back when he pitied the fool. I pitied and, the fool. Still uh, had the mohawk and everything. Yo, like that. man, it was fresh. And so he, uh, uh, we, I, I was in Bible college literally, and they were filming about a mile from our school. And so me and some friends went down there to watch them film and, and cause we'd never seen anything like it. And, uh, and then um, I happened to walk past him on the set and, uh, or near the set. And, uh, and he looked at me and I, it was such a meaningful exchange cause he grunted at me. Uh, uh, <laughs> and I'm, and uh, that was my cue that I was not where I was supposed to be. Oh uh, yeah. And so um, that I got to meet Mr. T Clubber Lane. Clubber Lane. The man who beat Rocky Balboa. So, so when did you meet James Franco? Because it wasn't the same time. It wasn't in the 18th. No. Because he was probably watching 18 shows. He was that young. <laughs> he was probably not even alive. I don't know. Um, when I was, uh, <coughs> Marilyn and I were in Southern California. I mean, 
I live in Tennessee now, but I'm from California. And so we were in Southern California and we were just having a few days to, to goof off and, and spend some time together. And so uh, being the, being the uh, exciting couple that we are, uh, we found these old Victorian homes that were all brought to a lot from different parts, different ages, different uh, eras of Victorian uh -huh. homes, but also from like Europe and different places. They were brought over. Yes. And, and it's like in Burbank, California. And so wow. we went, we went down there and um, we visited our kids. They were in school and did different things. And we said, well, let's go over there. And so we went over there to uh, do the, uh, do, do the tour and, and they give you a little, you know, you walk through each one and it's kind of cool. And, and mm -hmm. I, I did a lot of woodwork growing up. And so I mm -hmm. love seeing the old woodwork and, yeah, the and how things are built. And, oh yeah. That stuff's cool. And so we're there and uh, we decide that, well, both of us got to use the facilities. I'm trying to be gentle in how yeah, I say see. we needed to pee. Yeah. And uh, so okay. we had to use the facilities. And so we get over there to where the, they are and, uh, there's a line and the line is like, we're, we're number two in line. Uh, we're second in line. I need to be careful how I phrase that. Uh, we're second in line and I'm <laughs> funny still. Uh, <laughs> um, so we we're second in line and there's two bathrooms and Justin, there's somebody in that first bathroom that is having life issues and <laughs> that door is not opening and the sounds is like, wow. And then the second bathroom was plugged up. Oh no. And so we're like, and I, and I, I have got to go, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing the dance. I'm doing the waddle back and forth. So yeah. I went, I'm just going to go add to the mess that's in that other bathroom. Yeah. And so I went in, I did my thing, came out the guy behind me, he goes in and he does his thing. He comes out. So I merely is like, okay, just wait for me. So I went out and, and I look up at the guy and I went, I think he's famous. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, are, are you famous? Cause I'm really cool that way. And he right. goes, he goes, maybe. And I'm maybe thinking, I'm thinking, <clears throat> no, I think you are. And I, I, I feel like I feel like I might know who you are. And he was of no use to me. He wasn't like going, yeah, my name's James Franco and I'm gonna, you know, and on none of that. He was like, this guy's stupid. And <laughs> and uh I don't want him going on a podcast and telling about the time we both used a, a plugged the up bathroom. toilet. Yeah, because yeah. I don't want him knowing. And so he and I um uh he walked away and I'm thinking. I want to say his name is James. I'm not, I'm not super cool in case you guys didn't pick that up. Um, you know, I'm not a big celebrity guy or whatever, but I, I I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, so I, I, I Google on my phone, famous Jameses in Hollywood, <laughs> James funny. Dean, James Cagney, James, Frick, that's him. That's the guy. And so I, I, uh, he was, he's a teacher at USC and he had his, he had his class doing some filming at one of these old Victorian homes. Huh. And it was kind of fun. So I, I did the maximum zoom where it's all grainy and everything. And I did, I took a picture and I sent it to my kids and told them that story. They were so proud of me that I was like, dad, you're embarrassing. Even in your story on text. That's um, funny. So yeah, I got to meet uh, Mr. T and James Franco, I'm kind of a. I'm kind of You're a quite the celebrity magnet. Yeah, <clears throat> I have to admit, I am. I, I am, am the worst. So. I, I am the worst fanboy in the world. Like if it's somebody I actually know, 
I was walking out of Disney's California Adventure one day and I was going through a stall or one of those turnstiles and Chuck Liddell, you know, the MMA fighter yes, one of the greats, standing yeah. right there. Oh yeah. One of the greats. Right. And I walked by and I did literally did one of these. Oh my God, it's Chuck Liddell. Like, <laughs> and I'm pulling my phone out as like, I'm so sorry, but I'm a huge fan. Can I get a picture? And he was so nice. He was like, yeah, absolutely. So he leaned in and I snapped a selfie. I was like, man, good luck in your fight against Tito. And I rolled like it was that fast, but uh, I was such that's... a knucklehead. Like my wife is like, why is my husband freaking out all of a sudden? Um, oh gosh. Yeah, when when I travel stuff. sometimes, uh, you know, being in an airport and I don't know if we've ever done this together, but I've done it with other people is I'll say, Hey, let's find our, our celebrity doppelgangers. And so Somebody walking past, it'll be like a five foot seven guy, but he's built like LeBron James and he's got the bear. I go, hey, look, it's mini LeBron. Mini LeBron. Uh, you know, or I'll go, oh, look, look, that guy, that guy is a young Jimmy Stewart. Or, you know, or so we'll find our celebrity doppelgangers. But I am, if I see somebody famous, I, I almost always go the other direction. You know, it's like, because uh, I, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be on their podcast going some knucklehead. This guy, you don't even want to know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, but I am a celebrity magnet. That's how you got to be this, the host. Well, the celebrity. Oh yeah. I'm definitely the celebrity here. Well, Hey, today is our final podcast on the Jesus process of how Jesus made disciples who also made disciples who made disciples. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I hate to say it's it's the chain or the process that we pass it on to the next generation and they pass it on to the next generation and so on and so on and so on and how it ended up with with us, right? I mean, this is how we do this. Um, before we get into this conversation, um, can I make a suggestion to you listeners out there? If you are just now joining us, this is episode six of a six-part series. I would encourage you go back five episodes, start from the beginning um, and listen to the process in order. It is, it is an organic process, but it really does make sense when you look at it from a strategic point of view. We break down every one of these topics in detail. In fact, I've been so excited to be a part of this process. Um, I've been bugging Leonard for, I don't know, since he taught me this a couple of years ago now, um, that we need to do this on his podcast. And so I am so excited that we get to do this. Um, listen to it a couple times um, because honestly, this is how Jesus made disciples who made disciples. There's something simple, there's something elegant, something strategic, and something really beautiful about this process. So um, <clears throat> in addition to that, there is great scriptural base for all of this, for all the strategy that we're talking about. You'll hear, hear it um, through each of the podcasts that we've been talking about. So don't forget to listen, like, and follow us and share these podcasts because we really want to help be, we want them to be a resource that you can go back to over time. Um, Leonard, can you just give us a quick recap? Um, will you just go back through the, the, the four steps leading up to this one? Um, and we're going to be talking about what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, yes. Thanks, Justin. I would love to do that. I can do that. Um, I want to say before we do one yeah. thing. People are going to listen to this and go, man, I can't do that. I can't do that. That I don't know the Bible like that. Uh, Leonard just pulls verses out of his hat and says them. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I just don't know. And, we're, and uh, I do not want this to be intimidating, but I think the whole idea is intimidating because it's big. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not that you can't do it. It's just, you haven't ever been trained to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, that's fair. For, for me, I have been doing this for so long. I do it like breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, and, and it's not because I'm super spiritual. Um, cause <laughs> I'm not, um, it is literally, uh, it's ingrained in me so deep, but it got that way by practice. It got right. that way by doing it. It got that way um, by investing the time that it takes to know the scriptures, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I have worked uh, in ministry a long time, but I've also worked always, always, always work more than one job when I do ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have built houses, furniture, cabinetry. Uh, I mean, you name it, all kinds of things while doing ministry. And so finding the time to invest is hard. So I made the time yeah. to invest. I sat yeah. down and I said, I've got to, I've got to get up earlier so that I can read. I've got to do these things. And it became lifeblood. And mm-hmm. so I want people to, who are hearing these words to go, don't be intimidated by it. Uh, because the, and we'll talk about this uh, later on, I think, um, don't be intimidated by it, but rather be inspired to say, that's where I want to go. Mm. Um, and so the, the whole idea is that um, we're talking about following how Jesus made disciples. What was his process? What's the Jesus process? And he began with following. Uh, he said, follow me uh, because, and following we said is about helping people with their eyes and their ears Mm-hmm. For Jesus. Uh, that is that is a relational process. That might be something you do together. That might be something you sit down in the scriptures and go, hey, let's just read the gospel of John. I had uh, I had tons and tons of folks across the country. We read through the gospel of John 30 times mm-hmm. from September <clears throat> through December. It wasn't hard. It wasn't difficult. Not everybody hit every single day. Uh, mm-hmm. But we all stayed uh, in different groups. We all we all got through. All of those people know Jesus better because mm-hmm. they invest 20, 30 minutes a day to sit mm-hmm. down and go, I'm just going to read it again and again and again and again. Get to know Jesus, follow, trust. And then that moves us. When we see and we hear Jesus, we begin to trust him. <laughs> that means that our mind is being renewed and we're beginning to place the weight of our life upon what we know and understand about him because our thinking has been changed. I trust him. What I used to think about me is different than what I think about me. What I used to think about, you know, um, my dad used to say it this way. If somebody gives you a problem at school, make them an offer they can't refuse. Oh, you know, it's that kind of why I ought to punch you in the face kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to change that thinking. Because Jesus said something different. He said, love your enemies, forgive those. Wait a minute. Punching my, I I had to learn not to punch people because I had to change the way my thinking was. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to (laughs) trust that God has my back, uh, I trust him. And then trusting builds affection. Affection turns into love. And so I have to love him. And loving is knowing and relying on the love God has for us. Mm-hmm. It is learning to live as the disciple Jesus loved. It's about mm-hmm. learning to spy and spot the ways in which God loves us. It's about keeping our eyes on Jesus and the cross, mm-hmm. not on this, the world around us, but literally turning our focus to say, okay, the evidence of God's love happened on a cross. Yeah, Let's, amen. 
hold on to that. And then last week it was fun. We talked about imitating. Um, uh, we, we went about an hour and 15 minutes, usually about, that's about 10, 12 minutes longer than normal. Um, but there was a lot to say and we wanted to say it, uh, cause this is important. And so, um, it is literally about sitting face to face with Jesus. Yeah. And we're not copying him because that's a mechanical thing. Mm -hmm. We're imitating him because that's a heart thing. Be imitators mm -hmm. of God and walk in love as mm -hmm. dear children. Uh, it's the, how a child looks at their father or their mother and imitates them because they want to be like them. They so love who that parent is. Mm -hmm. They want to be like them. And that's what he's saying is dear children, imitate God, walk in love. Um, and so those are the first four things that we looked at. And here's where we're going. We're going to talk about the natural byproduct of following, of trusting, of loving, and of imitating. And that is bearing fruit. Excuse me for a second. All right. So I, I want to I make sure we talk about this because initially when I heard this statement from you, I thought the kind of fruit that you were talking about was the kind of fruit that Paul is talking about. And when he talks about the fruit of the spirit. So can you kind of give us the, the, what are you saying? What is this fruit that we're bearing? And what's the difference mm -hmm. between the fruit of the spirit and this bearing fruit that, that you seem to be referring to? Okay. Um, let me, let me, let me preface this answer with this truth. I think most people out there listening today want to live a life that's fruitful. Uh, mm -hmm. They want to live a life that produces something better for other people. Uh, every parent says, I just want my kids to have it better than I had it. Mm -hmm. um, people say at the end of their lives, I just want, I just want, I hope that my life has made a difference. Um, mm -hmm. There is that little uh, dash on our, in our obituary or on our gravestone that uh, has a starting date, born here, died here. And there's that little mm -hmm. space that little dash, we want that dash to mean something more than he took up space or she took up space right. on a planet. We want it to actually mean that that person uh, made a difference while they were here in the lives of others. When we follow Jesus, we want that to be an eternal difference. Mm -hmm. We want that to be something significant. I One of the most common phrases I hear when we start talking about uh, what we hope heaven is like and such one of the probably at the top, it's a top one or two. Uh, somebody will say, I just want to hear him say, Well done. Mm -hmm. Because we care. We mm -hmm. care about the life we live. And so when we are in this process of thinking about bearing fruit, we're actually leaning into something that God put in us. We're leaning into a desire because everybody listening today, Justin, has this in common. We want to live lives that matter. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And and so nobody is sitting there going, not me. You got to talk me into believing that. Uh-uh, uh-uh. But we talk ourselves out of it. Uh, we talk ourselves going, well, I can't do that. That's not my personality. That's not my wiring. Oh, I'm not gifted at that. Um, and so when we go back into the question that you asked, which is about fruit, um, I think there's three kinds of basic fruit that God speaks of in the Bible. There might be more, but this is just sort of a, a cursory perspective. One of them is actual fruit. It's, you know, what the vine produces, what the tree produces. He well, talks so about figs, that. grapes, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Wheat. Wheat, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and so 
uh, he talks about something and, and, and so it's actual fruit or something that is produced. Mm -hmm. And so it may not actually be in the technical, uh, fruit category, fruit category, but it, it's something that is, uh, an outcome. Actual. Yeah. It's an actual yeah. fruit. It's a substance. It's something you can eat or hold on to. Okay. The second one is, um, about character. Okay. It's about a transformation and it is, it's the kind of thing, um, that when I am in relationship with somebody else, their character rubs off and comes into me and I become something different. Or, mm -hmm. and so Paul says in Galatians five, he says, uh, you got two, you got two places to walk. You can walk by the flesh. That's our old nature. Mm -hmm. That is the part that is, that is, um, in us that is, uh, we're redeemed and bought by Christ, but that's that old self. That's that flesh that lives in us. Mm -hmm. Or you can walk by the spirit, which is the new nature. And not that the, that I am the spirit, but the Holy Spirit lives in me and feeds that new nature. Those two things that are war, mm -hmm. Paul talks about in, in, in um, Romans 7. He says in Galatians 5, this is how, if you walk by the flesh, and then he produces the naughty list that is about a mile long. Mm -hmm. um, you're getting coal for every one of those things if Santa's the boss. You know, it's uh, it's it's stuff that you look at and you go, well, and there's nothing on that list that we go, man, I sure hope my life turns out like that. Right, right. You right. Know? Man, that is, that, that is the most influential, best kind of legacy you can live. Because he talks about drunkenness, debauchery. He talks about sexual abuse and, and all different kinds of character flaws of lying and deceit and, and, and anger and malice and these things. He says, when you live outside of your friendship with God and you're not in the Jesus process of following, trusting, loving, and imitating, mm -hmm. your flesh will produce that. That's mm -hmm. that's your character. However, when you walk in the spirit, here's what happens. The fruit of God's spirit in you becomes love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. And, and there's nine, and I always miss them up. Uh, but he says this, this nine character traits of fruit, and he wraps it up with self-control. And then he says against these, there is no law. Mm -hmm. nobody makes a law against those things because we like those things. Mm -hmm. We love people who are love and who are patient and who are joyful and who are kind and who are faithful. And here's what he says, that when we walk in connection, the follow, trust, love, imitate, uh, bear fruit process, when we walk in connection with God, he transforms our character. Another way that I like to see that uh, is this. Um, if you were to make a description of Jesus that was absolutely stunning, you could use Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Mm -hmm. Jesus is love. He's joy. He's peace. He's patience. He's kindness. He's gentleness. He's goodness. He's faithfulness. He is self-control. He's all that. And so when we live by the spirit and we feed that, that spiritual part of our life, that renewed <laughs> part, our character changes to make us like Christ. And it goes back even literally into last week when we talked about imitation being transformed into the image of God. So that's the second way in which Paul uses fruit. It is okay. also um, confusing for some people because uh, the church talks about that and puts that, literally equates it to the same thing as Jesus talks about when they're different. And when I say the yeah. church, I just mean preachers. Uh, I don't, not picking on anybody. Um, yeah. We say it and Bible teachers and so on. Um, the third kind of fruit 
is, is the cause and effect of multiplication. And so when I bear fruit, I bear the same thing again and again and again. So when Jesus talks about, I chose you that you would bear fruit, he's saying, I chose you to multiply and reproduce what I have put in you. A disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple. It's about the life transformation of somebody that you invest in. It's not about your character, even though that matters to God mm -hmm. so much so that he puts his spirit. <clears throat> it is literally about, uh, you know, he says that, 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 uh, in, in the creative design of God, he says, everything bears fruit after its kind. Mm. And so trees, uh, almond trees give birth to almond trees. Apple trees give birth to apple trees. Mm -hmm. People give birth to people. Disciples give birth to disciples. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, I chose you that you would bear fruit. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the mission of the church is to make disciples who make disciples that we would bear that kind of fruit. That's our mission as, as the kingdom of God, uh, in the kingdom of God, as Christians, as the churches. <laughs> that's what I'm referring to. It's the multiplication of life because of life. And it's the same life. So I'm going to... I'm going to play the average Christian for just a second because I know what you're talking about, mm -hmm. but there may be folks out there who are thinking to myself, man, that's pretty intimidating because it sounds like you're talking about evangelism. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, your disciple makers are, you know, so I, I have to go out and share this and I have to do this and I have to do these programs and the steps and stuff like that. Um, can we spend a few minutes about that perception? Because uh, <clears throat> I think I just think that it can get confusing for folks. And I, I love how you, I love how you simplify this process. So are you talking about the traditional idea of evangelism? Not at all. Not at all. I, I like that. I like you're picking that apart. Um, the reality of it is, is I grew up in a, in a place where evangelism was considered a spiritual gift uh, and people whenever, and I, and I shared Jesus with a lot of people and they just, they just, put it in a category that, well, Leonard, you have the gift of evangelism. I don't. So I don't tell anybody about Jesus. Right. Um, you do. So you do. And, and I heard a very right. uh, prominent Bible teacher once say, um, if I said his name, you'd all know who it was, or most of you would. Um, so about 10% of the people in, in your church have the gift of evangelism. And I thought to myself, well, first of all, evangelism is not listed as a spiritual gift. Mm. Evangelists are. They're people who God uh, gave to the church to equip the body to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to be mm -hmm. evangels or proclaimers. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so I don't think that anybody actually has the gift of evangelism. I think some people are more natural at it than others. I think that the more time you spend with Jesus, the more natural it becomes with you. Mm -hmm. uh, but you also have your own way. You also have your own process. Um, and so in all of that, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about evangelism. Um, I don't use the word uh, at all. Jesus never used the word itself. Um, and so I just don't even use it. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about um, disciple making. Mm -hmm. So here's a here's a little story from my history. Um, I was told, Leonard, you are an evangelist. You have the gift of evangelism. So I went to a leadership conference. I was about 14 and a half years old. Um, 
they used to send us to these leadership conferences because that's what we did instead of discipling people. And mm-hmm. um, or we consider that discipling. Yes, people. we did. That's a better way to say it. Um, I'm a little more crass. Um, and so they sent me to this conference and I walked in and there's this sign and it is at least five or six feet wide. It's four and a half, five feet high. And it says hell. And every yeah. four seconds, this, this sign would light up and you could see the flames and all that. And when it lit up, you could see at the bottom, it said every four seconds, somebody dies and goes to hell. What are you going to do about it? Oh. Well, then they made me feel, ba- uh, feel bad for about two and a half hours of uh, why I, I would let somebody go to hell uh, when I had such good news. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they sent me to a park uh, to go tell people about Jesus. And when I'd go to the park and I'd start this cold conversation with somebody, this is the intimidating stuff, right? Right. Uh, you know, right. can I, can I talk to you? Uh, uh, if G, if you were to die today and uh, you were to stand in front of God, you can tell by my tone, I'm not happy about this. Uh, yeah, clearly. and you were to say, and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And, uh, and, Here's what I've got. I've got a guy basically naked and afraid, taking a quiz in front of God that he didn't study for. Right. You know, and I'm not even talking about the goodness of God. I'm not even talking about the grace of God. I'm not talking about the cross. I'm not, I'm, I've got somebody pinned to the wall mm-hmm. and I'm ready to nail them if they give me the wrong answer. And chances are they don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. That always tasted so bad to me. And so now <laughs> that's what I, they got me doing. And I come back. And then uh, they tell your stories and somebody said, well, I talked to one person and they told me to go away and they said, oh, praise God. Blessed are you when people persecute you. You were persecuted and you suffered for Jesus because a hobo at the park told me to go away. He should have told me to go away. I was, I was rude. I was Mm, right. I was was pushy. I was being, yeah. And and so that's how I was taught, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I went through, you know, the four spiritual laws and facts about God. And all. and I'm not opposed to any of those things. Many people know Jesus today because of those. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Because they help, help us understand how to have a conversation about the good news and the gospel. However, that's what I was taught. And I was sent out uh, that way. Well, I don't do any of those things. I don't practice any of those things. I quit doing that probably about 20 minutes after that conference. Um, mm. uh, because I just went, This is. there's got to be something different. And I got to thinking about how amazing Jesus is and how many times he invited people to follow and all mm-hmm. the ways that he, he, he wants to love us. And I just started telling people about that. Later on that year, I switched to a public school. I was at a private school, went to a public school. And over the next three years of being in public school, about a hundred of my friends met Christ all on the basis of just saying, man, Jesus loves you. He is amazing. He loves you. We had conversations that were real life about heaven, hell, people ask questions, but the premise was God loves you. And he wants us to live a life that reproduces itself and bears fruit. So no, I'm not talking about evangelism at all. I'm talking about what does it mean to become a fruit bearing follower of Jesus who knows how to um, who knows how to invite people to follow, teach them how to trust, show them the love of God, help them become imitators of God so that they can bear fruit. It's mm-hmm. generational. Mm-hmm. What you've given me, God, I now give away. Yeah. Hope that answers that question. <clears throat> I think it does. Well, and I think <clears throat> for me personally, and this is this has been 
in our conversations over the years, one of the things that when we've talked about this, evangelism just feels like it has pressure, right? Like there's just this pressure to it. There's this, this extremeness to it. There's the cold call to it and it removes the relationship out of it. And we have these systems, we have classes and they're great. I mean, they're fine. Like they're not bad in and of themselves and we need, you know, methods and ways to talk about this stuff. But at the same time, gosh, it just, it feels daunting. Right. And so I think for me, this is just so key. This is why I love this process so much. The Jesus process? The Jesus process so much because it moves sharing Christ. (laughs) It becomes a byproduct. It's not step one. You know, it's not yeah. follow me and now go share me. Yeah. 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 You know, it's the byproduct of following, trusting, loving, imitation. And that that imitation really <clears throat> is the place that that I when I'm imitating, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm start to bear fruit because it's yeah. the byproduct of this. Yeah. yeah. You know, this yeah. process leads me to this thing at the end, which is bearing fruit. And yeah. so um it's, I, I think the that. reason is because it's transforming, Justin. Um, yeah. It's not task oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when we when we talk about evangelism and discipleship, uh, those become task uh, task oriented things that we do. I go out and I evangelize, mm-hmm. or I disciple somebody, and we separate them. We say, well, deci- discipling is about spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. And uh, and evangelism is what I do to non-Christians to get them to become Christians. Jesus made no distinction in the Bible whatsoever about that. What Jesus said was, let's make disciples. And that is literally taking somebody wherever they are in their faith, far from God, like mm-hmm. his disciples, um, and walking them through the process. Follow me. Let me let me show you how it is the fulfillment of, of Matthew 4.19 when he says, I will make you. I'm going to mm-hmm. show you how to do this. Uh, follow me, trust me, love me, imitate me. And now you're going to become someone. You're going to become a fisher of men. You're not going to do the task of fishing. Uh, I, I don't go fish for men. I become a fisher of men. Mm-hmm. In the in the <laughs> church world that I grew up in, um, it was, we went from following to fishing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Now that you follow, go fish. Right. And then we would use Andrew as an example, the Peter's brother. The first thing Andrew did was he went and got Peter. Well, yes, yes. In the following process, he did. But Andrew didn't explain to Peter about trusting, loving, imitating, and bearing fruit. Andrew was simply saying, if I'm going to follow, come on, Peter, I love you most. Let's follow together. And so what it actually shows me is that the bearing fruit process begins in the following mm-hmm. it begins in the relationship i have with christ i found him i now come on with me let's go together and it becomes an invitation following begets invitations to follow which produces fruit and so well, in, I, even, when, I even think you could see pieces of other elements in that in that story mm-hmm. of andrew getting his brother because if he didn't trust jesus he wouldn't have gone and got him Right. If he hadn't experienced Jesus's love for him and his affection for him, I mean, he immediately goes in and tells Peter, I think we found the guy. Like, you've yeah. got to see this, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's something in him that is, is saying, we found the Messiah. We found the guy we want to be like. And so 
I, I think you can actually see elements if you just dig a little bit in the, that moment in that story with Peter or think, Andrew and Peter. Man, I think that is a great, a great uh, insight um, because the, the process, the Jesus process that we're talking about, we follow, we trust, we love, we imitate, and we bear fruit. Um, we take what we know mm -hmm. and we place it on what we're discovering and learning about Jesus. So mm -hmm. Andrew trusted Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, he began to experience, here's what, here's, here's something that's kind of cool. So if you're intimidated by this, if you're going, man, uh, sure sounds, sure sounds hard, Leonard. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know enough Bible. I'm going to get the answers wrong. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Um, what if I tell somebody something that's bad? And what if, what if they hate me and all the other things? We'll talk about that in a second, but um, mm -hmm. um, what you're, what you're really looking at is the fact that uh, when you enter the process, anytime you have a connection with Jesus, he hands you a story mm. that he's been writing with your name on it. There's a God story that is being written that had Andrew's name on it. Andrew was a was a disciple of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is going, hey, there's somebody coming, there's somebody coming. Andrew probably heard John say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he's going, all right, well, that's better than getting baptized. I'm gonna go over here. So he meets Jesus and wow, he is the Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. I am learning, I'm placing the weight of who I am on what I'm discovering about Jesus. I gotta tell Peter because Peter has the same vacancy in his life that I've had. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna tell Peter my Jesus story. Right, I yeah. Think I met him. And every person <clears throat> who's hearing this, if you have a connection with Christ, then you have a Jesus story to tell. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really cool because that's the woman at the well. What'd she do? She sat with Jesus. They talked about water. They talked about living water. They talked about worship. They talked about uh, Samaritans and women and all these other things. And she left with a Jesus story. And she went up to her village and she said, hey, I think I met the one. Because Jesus stories tend to draw us to that place. Mm -hmm. And they all come running down the hill and they go, wait a minute, who are you? And then they leave there going, well, we came here because she had a Jesus story. We're leaving here with our own. I think there's something beautiful about that. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm avoiding the word testimony. Uh, because, <laughs> well, yeah, it's got, it's got all these connotations to yes. it, right? And so, and so it's a Jesus story. Yeah, I love it. Can um, I can I touch on that for just a please second? Please do. Because here, here's what I know. If you're out there thinking you're listening to this and you're going, man, I, I'm i like Leonard. I met Jesus at a really young age. I don't have a story of being you know, rescued from this or rescued from that. And I, I can I just say that's just absolute nonsense. I've listened to you my whole, you know, for 30 years who wasn't rescued out of the same stuff that I was. Mm -hmm. In fact, you were rescued from, meaning you didn't mm -hmm. have to go get stuck in that. You didn't have to be a part of that. That wasn't part of your journey. Praise God. So don't think, please do not diminish the work that Jesus did in your own life and in your story, because man, I'm telling you, there is power in never having had to walk down the road of addiction. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a beautiful story that God rescued me from this when I was, you know, five or six. I'm you know, I have, I, I mentor a lot of pastor's kids now who that's not their story. 
And I am so grateful that's not their story. And so I tell them, don't, don't ever let that piece make you feel less than because that's not mm-hmm. true. Yeah. God rescued you ahead of time. So you never had to go through that. That's Absolutely. something to be proud of and, and celebrate and vice versa. Look, Hey, you do have a story that that's messy and mucky. Great. Yeah. It just means that you know what it's like to have lived this life and be rescued out of it. And yeah. so um, <clears throat> addiction didn't, didn't send you, would not send you to hell um, or me no. sin does. And the sin that that's something we all share. Yeah. All of sin and fall short. And so that the rescue story has that that similarity. Uh, I've never met anybody who has recovered or is in recovery who wishes their story on someone else. No. You know, and as grateful no. as they are that God has rescued them, mm-hmm. they do they always look with profound sense of gratitude and joy mm-hmm. when they come across people who say, Man, I'm so glad that wasn't your struggle. Because they recognize how how difficult and how dark some of those days were. And we don't wish that on people. No. Um, and so, you know, I, I think you're 100% right. I'm glad you, you point that out uh, because we tend, we tend um, to tell ourselves, I don't have a Jesus story if it's not dramatic. Well, right. what could be more dramatic than going from death to life? Yeah. Uh, what can be more dramatic than going from darkness to light? And um, so can, can I encourage yeah. you really fast, listeners? If you didn't listen to last week's episode, go back and uh, listen to it because we talked about specifics about death to life mm. uh, that will help you bring clarity to what he just said. And so um, that's such a powerful piece of last the last episode. So if you haven't listened, go back, re-listen to that because Mm -hmm. that is a powerful component, meaning we move from death to life. Yeah. Um, So anyway, I apologize for interrupting, but go ahead. Nope. Um, When I, when I um, look at the church today and again, I love the church, Justin, I've given every, every ounce of my being to the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. to serve Christ, to love the church. I am active. Uh, I'm in my church uh, every week. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not pastoring a church right now, but I'm there every week. I'm serving in mm-hmm. multiple ways. We give, we love, we, we support our pastors and leaders. So there's no negative in me about the church, but I am observing pieces of the church. That I go, that's missing. Um, and so when I, when I look at the church, um, almost every church that I've been to is, a. there just seems to be this pressure that you have to go evangelize. And so what we do is we miss we miss the fact that let's celebrate a story. Let's turn our attention to the goodness of God uh, as it relates in contrast to the brokenness of humanity. Mm. Um, let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Uh, let's 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 equip you in that. And so people are very intimidated. I go to if I go to a church and say, "Hey, listen, I'm going to hold a class on how to share the good news of Jesus um, with people you love." Church of a thousand people, twelve people will come, if that. Yeah. Why? Because we have, we're afraid of it. We're too busy. We're uh, and yet we all want lives that bear fruit. We all want lives that multiply. Mm-hmm. Um. I think sometimes if we want that, we're going to have to do the heavy lifting of becoming the kind of person who can multiply. Mm-hmm. And that's not becoming like Leonard. That's becoming 
like letting the image of Christ in you reflect who he has made you to be, yeah. whether that's loving your neighbor, loving your coworker, loving somebody around you, wherever that is, God made me a preacher. Um, that's what I do. He made me an equipper and trainer. That's what I do. That's how I express that. Mm-hmm. My sister who loves people incredibly well for Jesus. She doesn't do any of those things. She doesn't, she doesn't travel around the world. She doesn't get on planes. She doesn't think, oh, I'm going to sit next to this person. But nobody around her who's ever spent any time with her isn't aware of the fact that, man, God loves me and he's mm-hmm. inviting me in. because she's And she's an extreme introvert. I'm an extreme extrovert. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have two people further. Uh, I mean, it's like, did you even come from the same genetics <laughs> um, and, and such? And so when I when I describe the practice of evangelism, discipleship, the separation, and I say, let's bring it back together under a different thought process, a different paradigm into, into disciple making, mm-hmm. taking people wherever they are. Here's what I, here's what I, I get resistance mm-hmm. because it's different and it, it actually makes you a steward of it. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, oh, see, I can dismiss evangelism because I say, well, it's not my gift. Right. Uh, I can dismiss discipleship because the top two goals of discipleship, according to pastors, and I've surveyed thousands of pastors, synthesized the, the information, the top two goals of discipleship for churches and pastors today is spiritual maturity and leadership development. Mm. Two words, two descriptions Jesus never even talked about. Um, bearing fruit was the one thing he did. Multiplication. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so when we talk about discipleship, that's what people hear in the church. Yeah. Well, I need to help you become spiritually mature and become a leader to which we respond with, well, actually, I need that. Who will disciple me? Right. And then it becomes about the transfer of information because we've got a thousand books on leadership. We've Mm -hmm. got a thousand books on how to evangelize. We've got books on spiritual maturity rather than the relational process where I sit down and go, man, I'm following because I'm seeing and hearing Jesus. And as I'm following, I'm trusting and I'm placing all the weight of who I am upon what I'm learning about Jesus. And that has grown this affection in my heart and I love him and he loves me. And I'm the disciple Jesus loves. I know and rely on the love God has for me. And I should take a breath. And now I am imitating him because I want to be like him because I love him so much. And he is beautiful to me. Yeah. And that produces a contagious life where I bear fruit wherever I go. Um, and so that's a part of, and, and churches don't see it that way. They see it as two separate things. Christians see it as evangelism. That's what you do for non-Christians. Mm-hmm. Discipleship. That's what you do for Christians. I eliminated that vision or that version a long time ago because I find that when you, when you hold those Firmly in your head, both of those are separate things. You do neither one well. That's fair. Or you don't do either one at all. And that's why the average church today, half the churches in this country, will see no one meet Christ. And the number one, the number one expression of evangelism, and hear this, I am not against this. Let me say it again. I am not against this. The number one expression of evangelism in our culture today is invite your friend to church so the professional can explain God to them. I want that to happen. But more than that, I want you to be able to sit across over a cup of coffee from your neighbor and say, 
hey, can I invite you to take mm -hmm. a step in the direction of Jesus? Let's just look and see who he is. You know, let me tell you a little bit about him. Let me tell you my Jesus story so you learn how he's impacted me. Can yeah. I invite you to begin to place trust in him? Mm -hmm. Can I invite you to know and rely on his love and let that become a part of the process of your thinking and your transformation? Can I invite you into uh, imitating him? Uh, let's do what he would do. You know, what? how do you imitate God? And you're going to begin to bear fruit because you're going to be changed to a fisher of men. And when we miss that stuff, we misalign the mission of God. The mission of God for you, for me, and for everyone who breathes the prayer, Jesus, will you come into my life and forgive me? Will you, I want to follow you. We have one mission, to make disciples who make disciples because of the love of God and for the glory of God. Yeah. That's our mission. That's I don't have a second <sighs> mission. My mission isn't maturity. My mission is not the meeting. My mm -hmm. mission is not uh, sobriety or a lack of sobriety. My mission is to make disciples. Yeah. All that other stuff becomes a byproduct or a tool to keep me on mission. We misalign the strategy of Jesus. We go, well, you know, the strategy of Jesus, uh, Jesus was good. He just went about doing nice things. He was compassion. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was. But the strategy of Jesus to take this good news about what he would do on the cross, this thing that happened before the foundation of the world when the lamb was slain, the strategy of Jesus was to say, I've got to create a people who will, I'm going to disciple them. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> and then the method of Jesus. He invested his time and taught his friends to mm -hmm. follow, to trust, to love, to imitate so they could bear fruit. Though that's, that method is in this whole thing we're talking about, this process of Jesus is captured in four words in the Bible. Matthew 4.19, follow me. Yes, we preach on that. Mm -hmm. Fishers of men, we preach on that. But sandwiched in between those 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 two beautiful beautiful books, little statements, yeah. I will make you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you how to do this. I'm going to make you a success. If you in doing this, you're going to become something different. I will make you is the follow, trust, love, imitate, so that you and I can bear fruit, and that's. Seamless approach of Jesus of, of, of is called disciple making. Mm -hmm. Not evangelism, not discipleship, but disciple making. And so if you're listening today, um, and this is going to seem radical. In fact, I've had pastors go, Leonard, you are the biggest knucklehead. Why would you try to get us to change language? I'm going to try and get you to just simply say, I want to be a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. That's all I want yeah. to do. I'm not going to practice evangelism. I'm not going to practice discipleship. I'm going to be a disciple maker by living in the process of following, trusting, loving, and imitating. So I bear fruit. And that bearing fruit is me learning to invite somebody to follow, trust, love, imitate. So they bear fruit and it becomes generational. I'm, yeah. And I want you to just say these words out loud. I'm a disciple maker. That's what I'm becoming mm -hmm. by following, trusting, loving, imitating, and bearing fruit. Hope that makes sense. I, you know, I love it. I mean, again, it, for, for me, there's, there's a couple things that we've been talking about when it comes to bearing fruit. I think, and I don't know if we said this back earlier in the podcast, but I want to make sure we reiterate it now that fruit of the spirit piece is actually part of the process. Mm -hmm. You know, as yes. I'm following, trusting, loving, 
and imitating. I'm going to find love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness as a thing that God produces in my life when I'm focused on Jesus. That's not the fruit at the end, right? That's just the byproduct of being with him. He's doing yes. this work. It's that sanctification mm-hmm. piece in us. This fruit, I mean, I just, I, I, I keep hearing the parable that Jesus said, you know, look at the fields, you know, they're mm. ripe for harvest. Pray that God would send someone into the fields, you know, that, mm. that I say, look around you. They're, they're ready, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I keep thinking of that phrase, you know, it, it's about disciple making and mm-hmm. for, you know, there's something beautiful about when you have embraced this yeah. thought process, it does take the pressure off. Absolutely. I don't feel the pressure of evangelism. I invite. Hey, yeah. come and follow. Let me show you what it means to follow. It's about your attention, yeah. your eyes and your ears. If you want to know who Jesus is, let me, he's in the Bible. It's, he's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's talk, let's read about him. Let's talk yeah. about him. Yeah. You know, and it, it could be conversations from someone who's really far from God that I have. Again, it becomes about moving them one step closer to Jesus Yeah. and one yeah. step closer into following, you know, maybe they're, they're, you know, part of the crowd. They weren't part of the core of Jesus's time. They were just sitting up on the hill kind of curious about mm-hmm. his teachings. Well, they weren't followers. They were just curious. And so how do I help them step one? How, how can I draw you in with me to be one step closer to following mm-hmm. and this process? It just, it, it's like a pressure valve release. Yeah. Yeah. It just releases the pressure and I don't feel stressed about doing that. Yeah. And the, because this is, as I've in, in internalized this in my own process, I, I use it to self-evaluate. Am I following? Am I trusting? Am I loving God? What do you, what do you want? What are you saying to me in this journey here that I could bring to so-and-so? Yeah. What is yeah. my Jesus story that you need me to mm-hmm. use? What is that part of me that you're bringing out here? Also, you know, as I'm walking with them, I'm, I'm sharing with them. That it's a very organic, it becomes much more organic. In the yeah. conversations. And I know that you've done this a million times. And so it's, it's like breathing for you. But for me, it's like, it's, it's like my knife skills, you know, as a <laughs> chef in a kitchen, I'm getting proficient with the knife. I'm learning to pull my knuckles yeah. back and chop faster. I'm getting much more efficient with <clears throat> preparation of vegetables and those kinds of things. This stuff is just practice. Yeah. You know, it's learning this, it's learning the, the system and recognizing how it can be utilized in these different areas and ways and then applying them, like mm-hmm. just putting it into, into practice. Yeah. And so um, <clears throat> I want to, I want to ask you a question um, because we've been talking about this whole process over and over again, but you, you always, there's something about the way that you, approach this with people that mm-hmm. I absolutely love. Yeah. And uh, it's really, it's the the recognition of these two truths that you, yeah. you always talk about. Can you share those with us? Absolutely. And unpack them a little bit. Um, you know what? I, I will. Uh, yes, I can. And thank you. Um, uh, there's two beautiful truths. I think that, that I function out of. Um, and, and the first one is simply that, uh, uh, that, that God is always at work. I never find a place that God is not working. And I, I begin with the end in mind. Um, I mean, the follow, trust, love, imitate is the journey that I'm on. That's my process. Right. Um, but when I'm when I'm coming back to this, I'm always thinking with the end in mind. So when I when I meet somebody, I'm thinking, 
man, how can I, how can that person become a fruit bearing follower of Jesus? Cause I just believe we all want to bear fruit. We all yeah. want to have a legacy. That's great. So I begin with that in mind. And so I'm walking mm-hmm. him through that process. And then I come into these, I think these two truths. And the first one simply is God's always doing something everywhere mm-hmm. I go. I never walk into a room that God's not at work. In fact, when I walk into a room, one of my habits that I'm I'm working hard to grow in is to say, God, you've been working in this room long before I got here. What do you want me to do? How do I see it? And how do I join it? Um, you've been busy because you're always, always, always working. Wait, wait, wait. Can you, there's a second, this is, I mean, here's the thing. I hear these stories from you all the time and I'm always challenged by this thought process because you'll tell a story of like, you know, I'm asking God, what is it that you want me to say? Is there somebody in this room you want me to walk with? Is there something you want me to do? Can you unpack that some more? Like we we need to do a little deeper dive with this. Okay. Um, I think God's always at work in four key areas. And now there's probably a lot more, but just in my experience, I've narrowed it down to four areas that are, that are natural for me to see. Uh, The first one is I think God's always at work when there's pain. And so when I walk Mm. into a room, I look for pain. Um, I try not to cause it, but sometimes I do. Uh, But I I, I walk into a room and I look for pain. Is somebody, uh, is there somebody who's been crying in this room? Is there somebody who has got an anxious face in this room? Is there somebody who uh, in in the conversation that I'm overhearing uh, that I'm standing next to them, are they talking about loss? Is there somebody who's on their way to or from a place of pain? Is there, uh, is there a student for whom the word father is painful, for the whom the word mother or family is painful. And so I'm always, when I walk into a room I, or and, and into a person, mm-hmm. uh, I'm always going, is there a place of pain? Because God is always at work in pain. Pain mm-hmm. is the evidence that life is not as it should be. And mm-hmm. God says, I've come to give you life and to fill it full and to make it abundant, not in, again, not in the prosperity way, but in the full kingdom way. I've come to change mm-hmm. you into a life-giving source by giving you life. Mm-hmm. And so pain is the evidence that something is not as it should be. And so when I walk into a room, I look for faces, I look for conversations, uh, I look for how people dress, I look for how people talk, I look for body language. Now. I, again, I've been doing this forever and it's my habit. You might just be starting out and more than once I've walked into a room and went, I assumed there was pain when there wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. I think I missed <clears throat> you. Forgive mm-hmm. me. I'm okay with that. Um, so the second thing I, when I walk into a room, cause God's always at work when there's pain, but he's always at work when there's change and mm-hmm. life changes. And so when I when I'm listening, I walk into a room or whatever it is. Uh, I have a friend who who recently separated from his wife. Uh, neither one are followers of Jesus. And I stepped into his life to say, "Man, this is a huge change." It also involves pain, but there's a huge change. And in the midst of change, people tend to rely on themselves mm. when they need to rely upon God. 
And so what I want to do is I want to walk in and go, man, there's change. It's a new job. It's, it's a different career. You've enrolled in school in your fifties. You have uh, just had a baby. You just moved across the country. You just sold your house. There's change. There's change in relationships. You just dropped your kids off at college. Whatever those things are, wherever there's change, God is at work because what we know is that God doesn't change. And what he wants to look at somebody's life is he wants to say, listen, I will be your constant. I will be consistent in your life. I will never change. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am God. I do not change. He said that to Israel for whom everything changed all the time. This was a people who went from a nomad named Abraham to a to a, a, a an entourage out of Jacob to a nation in Egypt to a uh, a, a few day walk into into uh, the promised land that turned into forty years into a wow change was the constant and God yeah. says I am the God who does not change you can count on me. And so as I'm walking into a room and I say, God, where are you working? I'm just simply, or where's the potential for you to work? I walk in and go, man, has anybody got change going on in this room? You know, is anybody, you know, and if it's ongoing relationships, then I've noticed, I'll, I'll notice changes of behavior. I'll notice yeah. changes of, of style. I'll notice changes of, of conversation. I notice you don't talk about this anymore. Is there a reason? Uh, mm -hmm. I notice mm -hmm. that uh, you never say these things. I notice uh, that you quit cussing. Why? Uh, uh, I notice there's a whole variety of things that I look for wherever there's change. The third thing I'm looking for, there's pain, there's change. Mm -hmm. The third thing I'm looking for is, is this whole idea um, of connection that could lead, uh, 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 of, of connection that could lead to relationship. Mm. I'm looking for similarities. I'm looking for differences. I'm looking for, you know, whenever I see somebody wearing a Raider hat or a Raider shirt, um, man, that's my team. Mm -hmm. I talk to them. I connect with them. When I see somebody, uh, you know, have a certain iPhone or an, Hey, how do you like that iPhone 15, man? Is that, is that cool? How do you like this? I see you have an Android and I have an iPhone. I'm curious, what are your advantages that you see? And so I'm not looking to make fun of people. Um, uh -huh. I'm looking to find out, is there a connection that we can build? Is there a bridge? Um, uh, all my words act as walls or bridges. Uh -huh. And so I want to be intentionally a bridge builder for the kingdom of God. And so when I'm looking, I go, you know, if I'm at Starbucks and I see somebody order, uh, and I just give me a black coffee. Well, that's how I drink my coffee. Mm. That's how I drink mine too. When did you, you know, I just like it better. Great. Because mm -hmm. I'm looking for a bridge of connection that might allow me to build relationship. Mm. I can point somebody to Jesus. And Justin, the last thing that I'm looking for, um, when I walk into a room, when I connect with a person, whether it's a Starbucks, a restaurant, uh, a building, a church service, wherever I am, or it's just as I'm sitting in a flight, whatever mm -hmm. it is, the last thing I'm looking for is I am looking for um, opportunities to knock on someone's door at the heart of their life with kindness. Mm. Um, I want to figure out how do I, um, how do I demonstrate kindness to a person and so I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm in, um, 
uh, I'm in uh, Sam's Club yesterday, uh, picking up some stuff. And uh, there's a woman who's got one of those um, carts that's that's battery powered. Mm -hmm. She doesn't walk well. And she's followed by another lady with a cart that's helping her. And they've blocked the entire aisle. Um, and it's it's completely blocked. And they're not they're not looking it up to see that, you know, I'm walking down that aisle. In fact, they're looking at something else. And so I just walked up and I paused and I just stood there. And um, the lady says to me, uh, when she finally looks up and sees me, she goes, I am so sorry. And I said, you do have nothing to be sorry for. You bear the image of God and you are so worth waiting for. Mm. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to wait for you. She almost starts weeping. I mean, she gets teary eyed and she says, mm. she says, that's the nicest thing anybody said to me. Mm. And I said, um, I said, uh, I said, well, I'm so glad it encourages you. All I did was help her understand that I could, I, all I'm trying to do is open a door through kindness. Now, I could have stopped and said, well, can I tell you the four spiritual laws and can I invite <laughs> right. you? But that wasn't what I was doing. What I was doing was saying, God, you're at work here. You love this woman greatly. How do I use kindness to communicate that you love her? And so I look for pain. I look for change. I look for uh, a, a connection, an opportunity to build a connection, a friendship, a relationship. God uses all relationships to model something about his love. And then... I look for, uh, is there a chance for me to use kindness? Mm -hmm. So when I'm trying to think, well, how do I bear fruit? How do I, it is that beautiful truth of simply saying that God is always at work. Mm -hmm. And I want to develop the <clears throat> discipline of seeing. And so that's what I look for, those four areas. Every time I walk in, I would say every time, almost every time I walk into a room. Now, I'm better at it than I was 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but... That began when I was in my teens going, how in the world do I tell people about this goodness and this beautiful Jesus? Um, the second thing that I am looking for when it comes to, um, to this whole idea uh, of how do I, how do I build this uh, is um, I look for the fact of the reality that God is relentless in his mm. pursuit. Yeah. Um, God just doesn't give up, you know, and I, I've done, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of funerals. I'm more than I can, more than I can remember. And I've done funerals for people who I have no idea if they're in heaven or not, because there was nothing in their life that pointed them that, that indicated they did, that they trusted Christ. And people will always ask me, do you think my, my mom, my dad, my brother, my cousin, my friend is in heaven? And here's what I tell them. I tell them, you know what? I, I have no ability to judge that. But I can tell you this, that God is relentless in his pursuit. And if the Bible's true, and I believe it is, it only takes a nudge in the direction of Jesus for him to respond. Will you remember me today? Mm -hmm. Not because it was evidence that the man was a follower of Jesus, but because there was the grace of God only required a nudge. 
Yeah. And that God is, and so when I'm, when I, these two beautiful realities for me is that God's always at work and that he's relentless. I mean, those, those actually act as an invitation. They look for me, they, they become for me um, an opportunity. I get excited mm-hmm. to see them because mm-hmm. it, it indicates something about my friendship with God. Wow, you showed me that, Jesus. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You've, you've invited me into something beautiful. Your work, what you want done, what you are pursuing relentlessly in that person's life. I get to be a part of that. I get to be a part of that Jesus story that you're about ready to hand them. Mm-hmm. I that's love awesome. that. And so that's kind of how my I frame it. There's no pressure in that for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel the pressure to say everything right because I know I don't. I don't feel the pressure to defend my faith. You know, I, I give a defense for my faith. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't feel the pressure to stand back and go, well, I better get every answer right. Mm-hmm. I'm prepared when somebody has a question. Mm-hmm. But I don't defend, I defend my hope is mm-hmm. what I defend. And that is a that is an informational logical process, but it's also a relational process. Yeah. There's just nobody who's loved me like Jesus. And so I never feel pressure. Uh, I better go out and evangelize, or I oh, I better tell that person about Jesus. So if I don't, they'll go to I might be the only Bible they'll ever read. I never feel that weight. Mm. But I feel is this invitation of God to say, I'm doing something in there. You're invited on the adventure of seeing it. And I'm relentlessly pursuing people in there. And you're invited on the, on the adventure of stepping in and saying, Mm. here's, here's the nudge. Here's the grace. Here's the truth. Here's how God loves you. And so those are the things that, that really, really help me when I step into a room. And so when I'm discipling somebody, here's what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help my disciples see themselves, see the mission of God to make disciples who make disciples because Jesus solved the problem of sin and death. Because he solved that. I want to see your, I want you to see you, see, see his mission and then see yourself within it. I'm a part of that mission. What an amazing thing I can do. Uh, I look what I get to be a part of. I also want to help you be equipped to pray, to have this perspective, build the discipline that when you walk into a room, man, I've prayed before I walk in. How different would we be in a room if we prayed before we walked in? Mm-hmm. Before I turn the handle, if I open the door to heaven, uh, you know, what would happen there? Um uh, it's part of it's part of why I get up early in the morning is because I want to make sure the right Leonard is sent into each room. Mm-hmm. That's what I want with my life. And so I want to make sure that you're equipped to pray, to invite, to share, and to disciple somebody else. So I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to equip yeah. you. This is how you have the conversation. This is how you do this, how you walk through. Because I want you to bear fruit because you want to bear fruit and God made you to bear fruit. Um, I'm also going to make sure that um, you're actively doing ministry to another person. Who are you loving? Who are you connecting with? Who are you praying for? Who are you inviting? Who are you? Uh, because if you're sitting around doing nothing and you're going, man, who, who, I don't know who, I don't know where, I don't know who, I don't know where, you're never going to get started. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to get started. I want to say, okay, let's let's make a list if we have to. 
All right. Now that you've got a list, who's the first person on this list that you think that's the person that I'm going to start praying for? You're actively doing something now. Well, here's the conversation I'm praying that God would give us. You're actively doing that now. Um, and so I want to make sure you're active in doing ministry. And maybe that's even active ministry of, I volunteer at my church. I work with kids. I work with adults. I, I work in a school. Maybe seeing yourself as a minister in the place that you work. And then the last thing is, is um, I want to make sure you're in the Jesus process. Mm. Because, and I want to say this about the Jesus process. Um, when I follow, I trust. And when I trust, I love. And when I love, I imitate. And when I imitate, I bear fruit. And here's what's so beautiful to me about the Jesus process. When I bear fruit, I follow more closely. And the more closely I follow, the deeper my trust grows. And the deeper my trust goes, the more personal my love uh, becomes. And the more personal that love becomes, the more precisely I imitate. And the more precisely I imitate, the more fruit that happens. It's a continual circle of living my life with Jesus. Well. It's not <laughs> something I learn, and now I've got a master's degree and follow, trust, love, imitate bear fruit, it is something I'm continually growing and continually learning. And it offers me an opportunity to, and you've said this more than once, to self-assess and go, man, I, mm -hmm. I just don't feel like I'm, I'm trusting God right now. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, because I'm thinking about this and not that. Yeah, so let me renew true. my mind. Man, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm following Jesus like I should. Well, why not? Well, because I'm hearing conspiracies. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing politic. I'm hearing something different. I'm hearing conflict. I'm hearing, and I'm not hearing Jesus. I'm not. My seeing eyes and my attention are somewhere else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I am struggling with love, and I'm not mm -hmm. feeling why because I'm believing a different definition of love because I'm not sitting as the disciple Jesus loves because I'm not declaring it's true because I'm not living in a reality that my mind is talking me out of because that's a trust. I'm not trusting his love. And, and so it becomes a self-assessment tool. I'm not sitting face to face with Jesus. So there's nothing in me that looks like Jesus right now. Um, and I'm not bearing fruit because there's a breakdown in the chain. And so it's a self-assessment tool, but it's also a disciple making tool. So I sat with you, a hundred million times. And our, we had conversations. And in our conversations, I would simply go, Justin, what are you seeing? Mm -hmm. uh, hey, what are you listening to? What are you thinking about? You know, hey, do you, how, how are you measuring love? How do you, how are you seeing this? Because what I was doing was I was helping you um, re remove the bottleneck mm -hmm. that was keeping you in the flow of the process, the Jesus mm -hmm. process. And, and that's how I discipled you. Yeah. Um, and it, so it wasn't me sitting back going, well, Justin, let's start at follow all over again. Well, let's got to go. It was simply paying attention. Justin is not seeing and hearing Jesus right now. Right. Life is so big. Pain is so big. Frustration is so big, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and now here's where that plays out in our friendship is I know the potential places that you will avert your eyes. Mm -hmm. 
And so uh, when your sister passed recently, mm -hmm. you know, I, I talked to you about staying in the process, staying, oh, yeah. in, you know, yeah. not, not because um, you were doing something wrong, but because I was discipling you forward. Mm -hmm. Here's how you're going to keep from creating a bottleneck in your journey of following, trusting, loving, and imitating <clears throat> bearing fruit. You know, it was funny in that season, you asked me the questions about love specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, how does God still love you? Where are you seeing his love for you in the midst of this? Mm -hmm. And that was honestly what I was looking for was I was, I recognized the need that that's, that's what I need in this space. Yeah. But because again, it's, it's something that you have trained me in, mm -hmm. you know, I, <clears throat> I still think back to our trip in Cuba when mm -hmm. I saw this for the first time. I swear to you, it felt like I've been in a dark room where somebody turned on the lights. Mm. And now I see every chair in its place. I see yeah. how it works. I understand what things are there for. Like it, it, this, the, again, I, I know I keep, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, right? You know, but our listeners, I just want you to understand this is the rhythm of my life now. It has been the rhythm that Leonard has trained me in for 30 years. I didn't realize this was the rhythm until I saw it. Yeah. And now that I see it, I can't unsee it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's it and it becomes so easy now because it's just been so ingrained in me. Yeah. And um and it's it's now a part of how I train other people, how I equip, yeah. how I make disciples. I am a disciple maker. I am not mm -hmm. an evangelist. I am not uh, you know, the guy who teaches discipleship classes. No, no, no. My goal is to make you a disciple maker. Mm -hmm. That's the goal of the end in mind. I sit down with that intention that I want to help equip you to walk and follow Jesus. So you will grow closer to him, you know, follow, trust, love, imitate, mm -hmm. and bear fruit and, and so on and so on and so on. So one day I will meet a man that you've discipled who's discipling somebody else. Mm -hmm. or a woman that you like, that's my heart is I want to meet, you know, three, four generations yeah. of, of people that have bared the fruit of the time that we've spent walking and following Jesus together. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the paradigm shift that the church is missing. And I think honestly, this is the piece that, you know, if, if the church in America would, would, would hold on to this, this thought process or grab a hold of this thought process, the Jesus path would become, you know, we wouldn't have this mass exodus out of the church. Mm -mm. Um, no. We wouldn't have the the losses and the re trying the attempted recovery because we're trying to go back to church right. as usual after COVID. Right. You right. know, um, I I know that our church is slowly shifting our thought processes because this is how I talk. Mm -hmm. This is how I talk to people. This is how I talk to people. This is how I talk to people. Yeah. And I'm constantly challenging those paradigms of, oh, it's evangelism. No, no, no. Don't separate the two. I don't need to separate the two. Nope. This is an invitation to follow Jesus. Yeah. So come follow Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are in this paradigm. Well, you know, what about salvation? I'm like, oh, somebody's going to make that choice along the way of following Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I just need to get you near him and in proximity yeah. of him and to see his goodness and his love for you and his passion yeah. for you. And it becomes it's like gravity. You yeah. can't avoid it. And so yeah. Leonard, I, is there anything else? I mean, this sounds, it may sound like a lot for folks out there who are new. How do you stay on top of this discipleship process? Like, are there any things that you, any tips or tricks that you can give yeah. people 
just to hold on to this and keep on top of it. Oh, yes, yes. And um, I'm going to let you hand me back the host duties because uh, I want to I want to say this and and wrap it up. Well done, my friend. I appreciate you pushing me to get this done, but also uh, the way you live it out, the way that you teach it to others. Uh, it is very similar and yet very just and Mm-hmm. It's and I love that. That's that to me is the byproduct of good disciple making. Uh, for you to be able to say, man, I I not only own it, but I translate it into uh, your the uniqueness of God's stamp on you. And so I love that. Um, I think relationships matter, Justin. I I always have, always will. Uh, and so uh, you you have these circles of relationships. Oh, that's my friend. You know, I've got 2000 friends on Facebook or I've got 1500 followers or friends on Instagram or whatever. Um, but friendships and relationships matter and they take time. They take time to invest. And I want to encourage anybody listening today uh, to ask God, God, is there a friend that you would have me invest in? Is there somebody that you want me to connect with so that I can walk with them? In fact, I always tell pastors, I want you to find somebody in your church and outside of your church to start this process with. Um, The second thing is, is uh, training. Where there is no training, there is no mission. And if you are, if you're not trained in this, we did not train you. We taught you, we showed you some stuff. We gave you some insights. And some of you who have maybe a long, uh, deep, walk with Christ. We'll grab some of this stuff and make it better and own it. And, uh, but a lot of folks are going to hear it and go, "Hmm, wow, that's big. That's, and you just move on. It just, Mm -hmm. we added to the quiver, another arrow to the quiver of your knowledge. And I don't want to do that. I have no interest. You don't need any of my knowledge. Uh, I want you to be fully equipped Mm -hmm. to be like Jesus in his mission, his strategy and his methods. And mm-hmm. so um, training. And so here's the thing. <clears throat> if uh, if you were hungry and didn't know how to cook, it, you're either going to find somebody who knows how to cook or you're going to learn to cook. It's better to learn to cook. I agree. Uh, if you are, uh, you know, uh, you have to train yourself. Uh, if you, or, or be trained. I don't mean train yourself. Um, and so find a place where this this is offered. If you want to know how, where it's offered, you're you're hearing a voice where it's offered. We train people. Justin would train you. There's nothing I teach that I think Justin couldn't teach just as well or better. Um, and I've got several friends who are like that um, because we've trained them. I've trained them. And mm-hmm. and so training, if you come in, I don't know how to share Jesus with somebody. I don't even know what to say. Then sit down and learn how. If it really matters, relationships matter, the training matters. And the, the last one is because the gospel matters. Yeah. Uh, the gospel matters. There is absolutely uh, no power like the gospel. Um, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. It doesn't contain it. It doesn't reflect, refract it, doesn't reflect it. It doesn't describe it. It simply is. And when I share the gospel, the good news that God came in his life satisfied all the holiness of God and his death satisfied all the justice of God. And when I, because of the resurrection, that satisfaction is for everyone who places their faith in Christ and it's forever and grace is activated and you become a child of God. When I understand that and live that out, the implications of that daily and the message of that, that's when the power of God changes me. 
to everyone who believes, he says. And so I want to say, if you're hearing these words, go back and listen, listen again, become familiar, let the words seep in, contact us, call, send us an email at say yes, uh, say yes pod dot, uh, dot gmail or say yes gmail.com. There it is. Yeah, is. <laughs> I'm thinking of our website, but uh, say yes at gmail.com. Come Man, contact us. We want to work with you. We want you to be equipped. We want you to be full. There's other people out there that do this uh, that are not named Leonard, that don't run an organization called Forgen. There's ministries, there's organizations that do this. Find one near you. Get involved. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom. Get involved in it. Um, and then do it. Be activated. Be activated. Sit, God, I'm going to do this and make a commitment and keep it. I'm going to, this is who I'm going to become. Uh, I was teaching this at a uh, at a conference of pastors. We probably had fifty pastors, sixty pastors there, and it was in the U.S. And so that's a that's a treat for me. And uh, one of the pastors came to me and he said, "My whole ministry has gone from following to fish. Today that changes, and I have more hope for what I do than I have ever had in my life." I'm going to teach people to follow, trust, love, imitate, and bear fruit. Um, I don't know how he's doing. I don't know how he's doing. But just in that moment, God had spoken to him. You're listening today. Maybe God has spoken to you. Do something with what he says. For his glory, for his honor. Thanks for listening. Justin, thanks for hosting for the last six weeks. And, Thank you, Leonard. Uh, this was a blast. Yeah. And to the honor and glory of God, that's how we live forever. Amen. 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 Thanks, my friend. And we'll see you next time on Say Yes and Become.